one and we are recording and uh we just make it very casual uh everyone listening go fuck yourself so today is uh what thursday october 6 2022 at 5 or 7 p.m eastern time this is episode 943 with uh mr alex howell and uh you emailed me you had you had watched uh, uh an episode with howard bloom uh, yeah, I, even, I don't quite remember what we even ta- what you and I talked about, but I was just like, "Yeah, just come on the show." And you're like, "What?" And I was like, "Yeah, fuck it, let's just do it." And you're like, "All right, <laughs> so here we are." Well, yeah, I uh, I watched that and I thought, "Holy moly!" Like this is right up my alley. I got to oh, reach yeah. out to someone and uh, get more of this. Oh yeah, and uh, so he res- uh, Howard responded back basically with, "Hey, you got to email." <laughs> So that's what I did. All right. <laughs> I followed the instructions. Yeah. All right. Fuck yeah. Howard's a cool guy, man. You can just met I messaged him on Facebook like last May. And I was like, hey, I loved your book. And I had just seen him on like Rogan. And I was like, I loved your book. Would you come on my podcast? And just messaged me back. And he's like, Yeah, all right. And I was like, the fuck? All right. Yeah. 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 No, it's well, a weird it's a weird thing. People are always like, How do you get guests? I'm like, I ask them. What? Like, what what do you mean, how do I get them? Well, how it, well, okay, you know, more clarification. You ask a hundred, you get one. You get right. ninety. You get ninety. You get ninety-five people that don't respond. You get right. three people that politely say no. You get one person that says "fuck off," and then you get one person that goes, "I mean, I don't know why not." And you're like, "I'll take it." Yeah, right on, right on. But uh, what? So what was it about that episode that I guess sparked something? Well, I had never heard of Howard Bloom. Sorry, Howard. Um, but I hadn't. Right. I I don't. Uh, I guess um, cross paths often enough for his name and works to have come up before. Uh, however, I was um, uh, going through some podcasts a friend of mine uh, had done uh, a couple of years ago, I think it was. Yeah, 2020, I'm looking at it here. And um, uh, Jill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply by the name of David Goldsmith, uh, who I work with but a not-for-profit uh, uh, out of the States there, uh, had interviewed Howard. And uh, it was just so fascinating. I just started looking up everything Howard Bloom and went on LinkedIn. He posted your, your interview saying, this is like fantastic interview. And I watched that. And here we are. Right. Yeah, it is really interesting, like how it's... Um, um, transpired from there. Yeah. I'd never heard of omnology. Now I'm like, I'm hooked. It yeah. explains uh, um, how I think and how I was born to think. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm certainly captivated by his works and I, I really enjoy your um, style of interviewing because um, it's more conversational and I think it's it's more natural. You get a lot more out of people uh, I think the real stuff, as opposed to the uh, um, the the narrative that someone's trying to sell, it's horrible. So yeah, yeah, narr- I feel right at home listening to your stuff. I mean, a narrative feels like someone's putting a lighter under your balls. You're just like, dude, what are we? I mean, that's I. I mean, I remember the first time I ever heard Joe Rogan was December 2011. I was studying wow. 
general chemistry. And I remember my friend sent a link to me and uh, one of my buddies from high school. And, uh, you know, when you're in high school, you know, it's, you know, what's more generic than like getting high and talking about the universe or like whatever. But I remember right. message, he just kind of messaged me just as like a, what, just one of a trillion messages before and after I've known him for 20 years. And I just remember that the text was, uh, Hey, look, the fear factor guy kind of talks like we did when we would get high. And I was like, LOL. <laughs> and just like threw it on in the background. And I still remember the video it's called yeah. what is reality. And it was just a 10 minute right. video. And I can probably, I could play it and I could guarantee you I could quote it and probably line for line. And I didn't know what it right. was. I, I mean, I vaguely remember he was the fear factor guy. I didn't really give a shit, but I just liked it. You know, it was just talking about just kind of consciousness and what are we and how, like, just how I was really still am, but had really just been getting into meditation. And <laughs> That's was really, interesting. Yeah. I was really jacked up on just the idea of like, because I'd be studying OCAM and I was really, I was like balls deep on getting into med school, but then I'd just be like walking to campus and I'd be like, what is this? But I was just looking around and like, the fuck are trees? Like, what am I? I'm, you know, oh, yeah. well, you're, you're in hairless ape and you stand upright and the agricultural revolution. Like, I get all that, but like, huh? <laughs> like, like we just, we just accept it. Yeah. We, totally. There's always the moment in the movie where everyone freezes and you see the UFO in the sky. But I start to have that about every moment in life. I was mm. just like, you know, oh, the sun's setting. No, the planet's turning and there's a nuke. <laughs> like, and I was just like, <laughs> everyday life starts to just like glisten with novelty. And so I remember listening to that and I was like, oh, hell yeah. I didn't even know he had a podcast. And I found like another clip by him. And I was like, oh, the Fear Factor guy is just somebody's making compilations of him. Go, Apparently he's just a thinker. And for like two years, I had no idea he had a podcast. But I had a whole right. I had a whole playlist on iTunes of just a bunch Classic. of YouTube videos I I ripped and turned into MB4s, and uh, <laughs> one day I actually found a link and I was like, "Oh, this is a show," and it was it was so weird like it was so weird like um you'd start to actually like listen to the episode and then you'd find the thing that you had memorized a million times. Oh, that was that was kind of you know you see the you actually watch the movie that has the clip that you've seen before. And I was like, oh, cool. And I listened to him a ton, like 2013, 2014, um, and then kind of fizzled off, listened to him, you know, here and there. But that was the point of all of that is, is that was something I just thought was so interesting. And then watching him, and I know I sound like a hipster, but watching him from when, like, he was just the Fear Factor guy to exploding. And the only thing I'd ever noticed was, like, here's a guy that's, like, informal enough to talk about, like, pussy and dicks and balls and shit and then in the in the same sentence i go into like you know the you know the the blessing that it is to raise children mm. and then go into you know the idea of like a a horse How the brain works or something yeah or whatever yeah yeah and like it 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 was weird because i'd never heard someone like on air talk about that but it was so relatable because it was like, well, that's the conversations you have with your friends, not when mm-hmm. you're all, well, I'm trying to run for office. But no, you're just sitting there on the front porch drinking. And, you know, one minute you're just talking about some like, you know, fat shake your friend hooked up with. And then like two minutes later, you're talking about the importance of like finding love and settling down. And then it's just like. Yeah, he's getting natural. stuck into the meat and potatoes of life. And yeah. that yeah. is very relatable because that's how most that's of how us are talk. for most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not until we're around people we don't know or in front of a camera that we're like, well, you know, you know, no, oh, no, I wouldn't call her fat. Yeah, you did. And when I was fat, I couldn't get laid either. It's just what it is. It sucks. It's, I can't get laid now and I've lost the weight. So I don't even really know what clarification I'm trying to make. But like, that was one of the things that always stuck with me. 
And like when I eventually did make the podcast, which is, there's just a trillion years in between that list <laughs> finding Rogan and starting. But that was one of the things I started with was like when I started it was like a couple months before he got signed for a hundred million dollars. Right. It was after he had already interviewed Elon Musk and like Bernie Sanders. And so in my mind, I'm like, all right, here's this guy that I watched from the beginning. So yeah. like a hipster, but who I watched sponsored by the fleshlight co-host was Brian Redman. They had snowflakes falling on the screen and making dick jokes to interviewing presidential candidates in Elon mm. Musk. And I was yeah. like, if there is a, if there are lessons to take away from starting a podcast, do not put it behind a paywall. Do not censor anything you say and genuinely be yourself and be respectful of people that you might disagree with. Those are all yeah. things he does. He can have on a communist one episode and then a, a hardcore Navy steel conservative the next. And he never talks shit about the other with one another. He just, mm. it's a, each episode is a compartmentalized, its own little universe. And whether you like it or not, I objectively watched him go from yeah. he used to be on Ustream, which I don't even know if that website exists anymore, to getting signed for $100 million. Yeah. So anything that you vibed with through my podcast is because I just watched him and I went, that's, and it's kind of funny because that, those four things are the easiest things to do. Yeah. Requires no planning. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, Toolomnology though. There's actually kind of a similarity with that. And that the most successful thing, you know, don't censor yourself. I don't even remember what the four I just said were. Don't censor yourself. <laughs> don't talk shit about anyone. Be okay with anybody. And just, yeah, I don't know, be a good, whatever the fuck they were. Well, I think compartmentalizing each episode too, um, like yourself, it gave, gave him and gives him the freedom to talk about any topic. Yes. Because even though they may be interrelated, and interwoven with one another because they are compartmentalized uh, he can create the freedom to to cover say both sides of the story and that just doesn't happen often enough and i think that's where you what you're doing is very very similar but because you're not joe rogan you're tommy carrigan it is a different show mm. and you said actually in a, a few podcasts uh before and actually it might have been the howard bloom one uh the most recent one there where if you're interviewing the same sort of person, like I think there was like three people from the military, one after the other, it's all going to start to sound the same and and the same sorts of things will come up again and again and again. And that gets probably really boring for everyone because mm -hmm. there's only so many questions you can ask and yeah. there's only so many answers you can give. So yeah. that's where omnology is, uh, is so fascinating because there is effectively one question, but it, uh, it creates a platform to ask a thousand questions yeah. and get a thousand different answers. But are, but which are all kind of the same answer though. It's very, because it all belongs to the one, the one question, the yeah. one answer. It is, it's yeah, it is. It is what it really is. is I always use this example. It's like, um, it's like, like kindergarten math. If Tommy has five bananas and he gives two to Alex, how many does he have left? Well, he has three. If Alex has two bikes and he gives one to Tommy, how many bikes does he have left? He has one. Are we learning about bikes or bananas? No. We're learning about math. There's a underlying theme. And mm. so whether you're interviewing Delta Force and they're talking about... I interviewed one guy who I think it was... 
he was like, yeah, I remember watching Pablo Escobar through like a sniper rifle. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but like, wow. and then you talk about that. And, uh, and he's talking about, yeah, he's like, yeah. And then like, you know, he's like, my balls itched. And I like, you know, I like lost him for a second. And like, I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then you interview Charlie Duke walking on the moon. And he talks about like falling over on his back. And he was like, oh, shit. And then like, you know, and then <laughs> no one's talk- done this before. <laughs> yeah. fuck. And, and then you, so there's just one example. Then you talk to these people who are like, doing all this stuff and they're like and where's that you just see like there's the common thread of like hey you still fuck up like there's st- i'm sure tom brady stubs his toe it's just like yeah. god damn it fuck like you know <laughs> i'm sure donald trump as president was sitting there and just had like a particularly bad shit and was like oh god like you have those moments where you gotta wash yourself up and go out there and present yourself like whether you're the president or you're doing a podcast so like to me that is kind of there's a beauty of like omnology and like joe rogan and it's like it's this massive net that at first seems like, well, you can't talk about one topic. You, you should be a military podcast. You should be a science. What? No, you, you throw everything over it. And oddly enough, you just find one common theme through. And then what's cool is like, once you have that giant ball of, of podcasts, you can then, ask one question and you can go and find an answer in each. So like right now I'd be like, what What are the human errors of people? Well, Delta Force guy thinking about shooting Pablo and, you know, his balls itch. And then like Charlie Duke falling over on the moon. Like you have those. And then you could also ask like, what are the most human moments? Right. You have Charlie Duke talking about coming back from the moon and then being really depressed. Cause what else is there to do? You have Dale right. talking about leaving Delta right. Force, leaving the CIA and then being like, now what? And you have yeah. all these moments. You have these Steve Kirsch who invented the optical mouse. And it's like, well, now what do you do when you're sitting in your mansion with a billion in the bank? You can go through each thing and find an answer to each thing across all. Uh, like one of the first like 20 episodes I have, and I was just a power lifter, this uh, chick named Melissa, talking about like she didn't really know what to do once she like won a medal in her state. She's like, I don't know what. And like, Gosh you can find that with everything. So like, and I, I think, think that's actually a really good point um, that that's coming out there. So perhaps what is embedded in that is the inherent danger of focusing so narrowly. Mm. And that I think is like one of the really interesting points about the somnology uh, um, idea. And that is that I think that is the danger. What is what are you left with when you hit the bullseye? Another one? Okay, well that's repeatable. Mm. So where does the challenge lie after you've done that? The hardest thing. So if you take on the most complex issue, which is understanding everything, um, yeah. I guess uh, I guess if you get the answer, you're kind of screwed. But yeah. uh, uh, the pursuit, <laughs> yeah. Well, there is a brilliance, and I'm. I, I'm yeah so we'll hit the bullseye again go to the moon again okay but that's not it so then the next best thing is like well now you know like the glory is in hitting the bullseye and so what's truly great is the pursuit so you'd hit the bullseye you'd win a super bowl maybe you leave the nfl and you would go to delta force what's the next bullseye probably a literal bullseye you know watching pablo through a sniper okay and the next would join the air force and be walking on the moon yeah and you can go through all these things and then you start to love hitting the bullseye. But then even that there's like a meta exhaustion there. You're like, okay, well now I know what the path is. So yeah, and I always think about this. 
So what you'd want to do is choose a goal so big that you might, you might actually achieve it. But you don't want something that's so far out that you'll never achieve it. I want to run a thousand miles without stopping. Okay. I want a vertical. I want to be able to do a vertical leap of 30 feet. That's not like kinesiology that just doesn't, you could probably get up there at a certain point. You're not, you're not doing it. Right. So they're all of these. So you can't set that as a goal. Cause right. Cause if, so if we're laying out that. Well, I don't know. I think, uh, uh, the aid of, uh, say, robotics and oh, sure, uh, but that's sort of... <laughs> but but that's not like a natural, like a natural thing. Or like, okay, I want to eat an anvil every day. Like you're not, so like you have to like you have to address like the error and the logic of so like because mm-hmm. the logic we're saying is you have to choose an unreachable goal, and if it's unreachable, the pursuit is so glorious that you'll just go off in a bliss. But that's not true if deep down you know you're never going to achieve that goal. I don't mean something that's hard but doable, like becoming a billionaire, I mean something that's impossible, like I'm going to eat the entire sun. It's just, we're beyond like the realm of rational Mm. discussion, right? So what you have to do is you have to like throw a lasso around something that is just, you're just self-delusional enough to go, I might be able to, but you're also rational enough to go, I also don't fucking know if I will. Um, the book House of God by Samuel Shem. That was his pen name. It's a, uh, he's a doctor. It's a famous book. It was written in the seventies about going to residency at Harvard and how they were like smoking meth and fucking nurses in the closets and shit. It's wild. And but he talks about he had this friend. I think he called him uh, Fat Fats. This is a brilliant fat kid. This fat Jewish Harvard kid. He says he's the smartest person he'd ever met. And he finally one day he asked Fats. They're in like residency. Of course, Fats is going on to become like a brain surgeon, like the hardest thing he can do. And he's like, Fats, and Fats is always trying to like squeeze another dollar out of it. It's like a brain surgeon makes a million a year, but if you become a brain surgeon and a chief of medicine, you make 1.3 a year. Okay, that's a lot. He's like, Fats, you're so smart. Why are you, why are you trying to jump from one to 1.3 when you could clearly go be a, a hedge fund investor and make 100 million? And he was like, because I can master that. I'll never figure out medicine. You'll always have, there will always be a deeper thing, like understanding genetics and understanding physics. You'll always have a patient that doesn't make it. And he goes, but Fats was also smart enough that like he might actually master medicine. He's like, and he never did, but he practiced it for like 50 years, eventually died. But like he was in bliss because he was just up against the ultimate fight. Mm. That's what I think about with Elon Musk, right? He's done a lot of things. Okay. Electric car company. He created, he, and he created a car company during the 08 crisis, right? When, which auto companies got bailed, bailed out and he managed to make it profitable, wildly profitable, right? He's got Starlink. He's working on Neuralink. He's got what the boring company just he's buying yeah. Twitter. <laughs> what? And he's what? He's worth 300. PayPal. Yeah. Yeah. PayPal zip two. He's worth three hundred billion. Mm. All right, what's what's the big, big, big? He wants to fucking make us a multi-planetary species. He might. There's a good chance he will. There's a good chance he won't. But would you say that's impossible that he is going to make us an interplanetary species? I think, uh, given his description. Uh, in terms of the numbers of people involved, I'd say, yeah, it's just not viable. But it's it's not 
rational if you look at the numbers, but the narrative and the story, the concept is is very doable. And I think he will do an element of it, but there won't be a million people living on Mars by the by the year twenty fifty. It's, it's practically impossible. Absolutely. Why does he sell why does he have that as a, as his narrative though? So it's, 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 it's probably a, a, it's probably PR bullshit. It's an interest. But okay, let me reword it then. Will the Wright brothers ever develop a double-decker airliner that can cross the ocean? No. But did they get the ball rolling? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They didn't make the Airbus A380. But you can't deny that that's where it got started. Will Musk have? Probably not. Will he land someone there by 2050? I would say yes. I'd say even that slim. I would not bet my life and say it's 0%. He might throw, I mean, maybe that's not a good character of him. I, I don't put it above him to just throw people at Mars until somebody lands. Whatever. You know, we're, we're, let's just <laughs> abandon morality for a second, right? We're talking about billionaires. So we got to abandon morality. You look at it like a psychopath. Well, there is the issue of coming back. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 we're not talking about that. We're talking about making us a multi-planetary right, getting species. You were quite clear. Getting just us there. Getting I never, there. I never yeah, said you're coming Roger. back. You know, fuck, that's on you. I didn't fucking, I didn't fucking say shit, right? There is a. Would you bet your life that he will not get a single person there by 2050? No, I think, uh, I think there's pretty good odds that uh, that'll occur. So he chose the thing that no one would bet their life and say, I don't think he will, but it's pretty improbable he will. To me, that is a form of omnology because you can't choose some, will he ever, will he have a million people on Pluto by 2025? Absolutely fucking not. I'll I'll take that bet a million times. I will bet my life. Yeah, I'm a millionaire now. I wouldn't, 2050, it's, it's, it's got, that's 28 years. It's a long time. One person? Yeah. Maybe. I don't know if they're coming back. I don't know if they're going to live for more than three days. Will someone do a great, this is a large step for mankind on Mars by 2050? He's got 300 billion and he's got an internet system in space and he's hooking up fucking Neuralink systems to pigs. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I don't have the balls to say he won't. To me, that is a that is that's pursuing medicine. Mm-hmm. That is that is the bliss. You might, and to me, that is there's something in there, and it's a very yeah. fine line. You don't want to choose go to the moon by twenty fifteen. See, even even that clearly isn't enough for Musk because, as you say, he's got the boring company, yeah. so he's doing tunneling. He's building vehicles. He's doing a whole bunch of different stuff, which is, I guess, uh, uh, keeping his mind busy. Um, I, th- I think. I think everything he's doing here is actually a dry run for Mars. Right. How do you escape the radiation? You go underground. Why do you want autonomous vehicles? Well, you can't afford to have car crashes on Mars. What about internet? Well, instead of relay towers, what about how just a circling, have it orbiting yeah. internet? I don't know. What Solar. Yeah. Energy, yeah. To me, it looks like he's just wargaming Mars here. Right. What else is he doing? What else is he doing? He's space-based internet. Noted. He's yeah. having all of it. Self-landing rockets. What could that be for? Right? It's 
So that's kind of how I look at it. He's in bed mm-hmm. with the DOD. So they're going to want something there too. They always do, right? Yeah. I mean, even the space shuttle, the space shuttle had a lot of modifications that were made to the dismay of NASA because the Air Force said it has to be care, has to be capable of carrying a nuke. That's why it was the size of, that's why I had a school bus sized thing. It wasn't for mm-hmm. telescopes. They wanted it smaller. But the Air Force was like, hey, we need you to be able to fit that. Like, it's a civilian agency. You shut your fucking mouth. Do you want this money or not? But we're going to, no, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I get it. It's a space shuttle. No, 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 no. The International Space Station's great. We also had plans for ones far before that that were going to have weapons on them. The Russians put up Salyut 22, which had an anti-aircraft gun on it in space. No one ever knows that. No one ever talks about the fact that there have been weapons in space before. The Russians put an anti-aircraft. They never fired it because they realized they'd blow them out of orbit. But, like, the DOD wants... And so if the DOD is going to get what they want anyway... Well, then what other way to align yourself with, hey, I'm going to go. Do you want to foot part of the bill? Well, yeah. we do kind of want to foot part of the bill. Do you want China <laughs> to beat us there? No, I don't want China to beat yeah. us there. Yeah, you're right. So maybe I'll just say you got some intel and you can map it out. I don't know. We can also map out some possible places for military bases. Well, I guess that sounds like a good idea, right? So he's now the biggest contractor for the DOD in terms of space. Right, yeah. It's where it's all going. So... Will he see it all? I don't know. But he might. And I think there's genius in there. If anything, just to to satisfy your own hunger. Yeah. You keep hitting the bullseye. What the fuck else do you do? If you're the richest man in the world, there's not a whole lot more bullseyes. I think that uh, that would be a great description uh, uh, for why, like, say, I like the stock market. is because, like, there's an infinite number of companies being created and destroyed again and again and again. There's so much to learn. It's never the same. Yeah. There's repeatable patterns, but you got to be careful of those patterns because they do change and they change on a whim. And it's that collective consciousness that drives the markets, uh, the, 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 uh, the power of greed and fear. Um, I, I love how they move. Yeah. And that uh, I could never get bored, never get bored of uh, trading the old stocks. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's a video game that you can't beat. And that's fantastic because there's nothing when you're playing a video game, there's nothing you're grinding more. You're like, I want to reach the top level. I want to beat the boss. And then you finish it and you're like, well, now what? So it's well, the Yeah. Ray Dalio, uh, he's just given up control of Bridgewater Associates there. And that's been, what, 47 years in the making? And one of the things that he uh, he mentioned on his way out is like, I will still be trading. I'll still be investing because it's it's in essence something that I could never, ever get bored of. And I, I can really relate to that. Yeah, there's, there's just so much going on all of the time. You ever watch, I haven't watched it in years, but you ever watch Family Guy? Uh, yeah, a little bit occasionally. You remember, uh, what's Peter's wife, Lois? Lois's dad? Mr. Peter Schmidt, he's like a billionaire, right? Just an old curmudgeon. And, uh, you know, they're worried because he had his, like, a heart attack when he's working or something, right? He's, like, he's just, like, the archetypical, he's, right, the CEO at the top of the tallest tower in Manhattan or whatever the fuck. And uh, they're, like, we need a retired dad. You know, he's working too hard. And they take him out, and, you know, he's they kind of hand over the reins of the company to the board, and he starts aging really fast. Hmm. Starts getting, like, dementia, 
he's like wearing slippers he's like forgetting where he is and they're like oh my god and finally like brian's like i don't think it's the money i think he just <laughs> thrives in an office yeah and so they bring him back in there and they're like daddy come back like we need i want dad back and he sits in the chair and like the phone's ringing he sees the stock market and he slowly starts coming out of dementia and he goes uh, uh, minorities complain too much we have too many immigrants and they go dad's back because <laughs> he's just like you know he's, he's just this evil old you know gop archetype <laughs> and he starts he's like kids these days don't have what they want he's like civil rights is bad you know he's like only only men should vote and they're like dad you're back and it's like <laughs> but it's like that's his pulse yeah he's like he comes back yeah i don't even if this podcast exceeded beyond my wildest dreams, there would always be like a guest I couldn't land. And if I land mm. them all, there will always be a combination of guests I can't land. Right. I'll never get Anthony Fauci and Alex Jones together. Right. But maybe <laughs> <laughs> I've talked to Alex Jones and I have spoken with Fauci's secretary. It's never going to, I can't get them on. <laughs> but the, Rogan, Maybe that's what keeps him going. Is having Alex Jones with Anthony Fauci, you know, like, thank you for having me on Joe. And it's like, you're a goddamn demon. You're a pedophile, interdimensional alien. You're raping the kids. You're going to reptile. Like, that's a really good impersonation. But that might, it, if anyone could do it. If anyone could. I mean, like, Rogan, it's, if I can, I can Photoshop pretty well. If I photoshopped and you, you know, you weren't on the internet, you didn't see it trending, and I just sent you like a perfectly done Joe Rogan Spotify thumbnail, same font, same color, and it was just a thumbnail of like Donald Trump, Elon Musk, and Alex Jones, and you know, smoking a blunt. You'd shit your pants because there's like a fraction of a percent of you that would go, "There's no way," because he has, right? He can have on Bernie Sanders and talk about gun control and access to Medicare. And then you can have Elon Musk smoking a blunt. And then you can have Alex Jones screaming about interdimensional vampires and off-world intelligence. There's a non-zero chance. Like, if someone showed me that, I might I might get Rick rolled. I might go, oh, my God, no way. To me, that's like an excitement. Is I want to get to that level where if I were to text you and go, dude, I just had on. Hillary Clinton, she got so fucked up, she made out with Putin. I want to get to the point where people go, no, you didn't. Like, I actually want there to be an air of, like, I don't know if he did it or not. If I said it <laughs> now, it's like, shut the fuck. If, if you said, dude, Rogan just had on Hillary Clinton with Putin, and they were kind of flirting. I don't know. I, I, I would say no, that didn't happen. But if I were Rogan, I would want to get to a point where fuck the contracts. I would want a podcast to get so big that if you told me Bill Murray took acid and shit his pants, I would actually have to go check and see whether or not he did. And then if he did, like, not be that surprised. Be like, this seems like a due course of events. Like, I don't know how the fuck we got on there. What are we talking about? How did I get here? Well... What popped into my mind as you're talking there is, uh, I want to say, be careful what you say, because it can come true, but you've also got to be careful what you say, because if you say it the wrong way, this is just like what I believe, um, 
you can also make it not happen. Mm. So the universe is listening. Yeah. Always. So if you if you sow the seeds of doubt, that's what you'll get. If you sow the seeds of confidence, you'll you'll get the uh, the yield. So yeah, uh, if there's someone that you want on the podcast, don't don't yell out to the universe that uh, hey that'll never happen. Go for the second round pick. Go for the first round pick, and it will happen. Maybe it's reverse psychology. Maybe I'm bluffing to the universe. I'm like, now nah, universe, you're pretty cool. It's a pretty cool simulation. But you don't have the balls to have Alex Jones and Donald Trump doing coke together. I want the universe to say, "Hold my beer." All right, fucker. Watch this shit. Yeah, Alex. This is Alex. This is some great yayo. Like, listen, Mister President, I know you tried your hardest. I want to see that and like be uncomfortable and be like, "Oh, holy shit!" You know, that's what I want to see. Like, I think, I think the universe does tempt us. I think it does scare us. It was like you thought World War Two was bad. You know, they called the World War One before it was called World War One. It was called the Great War, right? The war mm-hmm. to end all wars. <laughs> Universe is like, all right, World War Two. Well, the the right? Dutch back in the seventeen hundreds uh, only knew of white swans until they got to Australia and they saw their first black swan. Yeah. Until then, there were no black swans. They were just swans. Yeah. They're just white yeah. swans. They were just right. swans. They weren't white swans. They're even swans. simpler. Just yeah, right? it's just swans, right? <laughs> right. So we get the World War Two, right? World yeah. War Two. World War Two. All right, all right. I guess we'll never know something bigger than that. All right, let hold my Cuban cigar. Here's the Cuban yeah. Missile Crisis, yeah, ninety right. miles off the coast. It can't get crazier than that. All right, how about a year later, the president gets domed in Dallas? Mm. All right, I don't think it can get crazier than that. Now, fuck it. Six years after that, let's go walk on the moon. Like, okay, I don't know how much crazier this is gonna get, right? In a way, I think the universe does like to keep upping the ante. Uh, we're totally. wearing like a sailor, talking about the most inappropriate stuff in the world, <laughs> and then a child in a diaper comes in, and I have hey, to shut my... Is... All right, you got that in. I have to... <laughs> All right, good. Well, I didn't know that. The universe just called my bluff. I just shit my oh, pants. If just... that was on the speakers, he would have told you, hey, don't say that. <laughs> yeah, well, there, but there we go. Is that not... Did we not just get a kind of like a smack across the face? Like, totally. get some. Get some flex nuts. I'll kick the shit out of you, right? <laughs> I I just tried to call somebody's bluff and got a black eye. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah, I don't know. I've always thought like, what would be the best interview ever? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, there's kind of like low hanging fruit. It'd be like an old CIA official saying like we killed Kennedy, but even you can't really believe that. You'd be like, this is a psyop, right? It'd have yeah. to be, yeah. Hmm. It would have to be, it'd have to be a, a current president. It'd have to be Biden or something. And I think it would have to be the acknowledgement of alien life, and using using Rogan as like a dissemination point. Because if you just kind of you know, I guess you go full official, right? All the TV channels change to one thing. It's like the presidential seal, you know, kind of like the movie trope. You know, it was today that I would you know announce contact with alien. But that's not an interview. I think it would have to be that. That would be like what what do you think could be the biggest moment like captured on an interview? How about like a matrix type revelation? Like, oh my gosh, it is a simulation. <laughs> oh, like they they actually start to like manifest things. Like Rogan just makes an apple appear in his hand or something. 
Right, right. Even that though, because Mr. Then, Smith appears in the background. Yeah, but then, but but even then, you would start saying, "Oh, this is just deep fake," right? I think it would have to be because that's kind of like magic trick. I don't know if everyone starts testing the theory uh, and uh, what they think um, starts to uh, uh, appear. I think that uh, that would change things forever. I think if you had like the second coming of Christ. And not even in some like comical sense, but just some guy that looked like you or me, and he just started performing miracles on Rogan, or a rapture where like all of a sudden there's half the population is gone, oh, and then it's just us left, just like oh, so we're <laughs> just us. Well, if you're watching this podcast, sorry, <laughs> welcome to hell. You know that would that'd be quite shocking. I'm if like nine eleven had happened, and like now. That would be kind of wild, right? Someone would like bring it up to Rogan and be like, "What?" And they like pull it up and they'd be like, "Holy shit!" Right? right. Those are those are still surreal when you go and watch mm. those news clips. Where it's yeah. again, we're coming to you live. It looks like a small plane. It's all the same. A small plane has, and then there's the oh my god, right? And there's yeah. another one, and then you have that moment of realization. You go, "Oh, oh, we're at war," or you know, who is the other one? Was the famous one? Uh oh my God! There's another one. That's it's like the most famous one. He goes, Oh my God! There's he goes. I think this is on purpose. Those are, those are wild. COVID, mm. COVID came on slowly. It wasn't a plane hitting a building. I think that, and I don't need a visit from the FBI, but I think like an assassination, like the JFK happened, or even like a Reagan, like an attempt. If the president mm. was shot but survived. That might still go down. I I, I would have thought the invasion. Well, I think be... Putin's tempting fate right now with yeah. that sort of carry oh, on. Oh, dude. Uh, so I started <laughs> I started a gaming channel with my friends back in like February, and we just called it the Petro Patriarchy because I was just like, what would be like the most incendiary term? And I was just trying to think of like what people hate, and I'd be like, well, it'd be like fossil fuels and like males. So Petro and the logo is John Bolton as uh as colonel sanders so it's john bolden with like a i don't know why i was like i was like it needs to be there's no rationale but there's no deeper meaning like what does that mean there is no meaning it's just it's john bolden just a kind of war criminal with he's just wearing like a whatever a colonel sanders-esque apron that's not important though what is important is so we were doing like and these happen these episodes are terrible we just stream video games we're just playing it's just all bullshit there's no edits. The episodes go on for nine hours. It's just it's just retarded, but they're funny. Um, and we're watching one and we're playing one night, and like it, it start the invasion of Ukraine starts, and right. uh, that was kind of surreal watching that. And we're watching these like live YouTube chats, and it's like oh shit, and it's like moving to like webcams and stuff, and right you see kind of explosions going off, and that was wild. Mm. Um, but we're watching this webcam, and it's like it's like eleven o'clock or like eleven p.m. And so it's like, whatever, like sunrise there. And we're watching this one webcam. And it's like, you know, the sky is slowly changing as it gets like 3 a.m., 4 a.m., 5 a.m., right? Kind of get that light pink. My blood turned to ice when the sun first rose. I thought it was a fucking nuclear flash. I, I just, like time slow. I remember watching that. And I just was like... And I was like, this is how it starts, and it's going to be over very mm. quick. The whole thing's over. Like, the first thought was, like, I need to, like, tell my parents I love them. It was, like, one in the, one in the morning. Probably would have shot me if I called them, right? But 
that was wild and it ended up just being the sunrise but like everyone in the you could even the super chat like froze and then just was like oh my god oh my everybody was like oh. there's like this max exhalation everyone was like jesus christ and like but that was right that was kind of inching towards the putin tempting fate i don't know what would be well i think with a country so divided i mean it's uh he's riding a knife edge every day oh yeah 50 percent of the population love it 50 percent of the population despise it i mean that's i mean i guess that's typically what's occurring in a democracy when you've got uh uh, two parties to vote for, uh, just like in, say, Canada or the US, uh, there's really only two to choose from. But yeah. uh, um, it, at least there's freedom to speak about everything from both sides, as opposed to one side being uh, suppressed. So, yeah, completely different uh, kettle of fish over there, which is very unfortunate. Do you think it would be bigger if do you think it would be bigger if um China invaded Taiwan? I feel like that would be a little heavier. Not to make light of a lot of innocent people dying, you know, in <sighs> Russia, but I feel like Taiwan China invading Taiwan that one feels a little, that feels a little heavier to me. I don't know why. Hmm. Maybe it's because there's the I think it's different. There's water in between. That's kind of one. It seems a little more like premeditated. Not to say that like putting armaments on the side of Ukraine and then going, but it's, it's kind of different if it's land going across like the seas. I guess then they've kind of been talking about it for like 50 years. What would happen? Would we, would we so overtly back Taiwan? Cause like, if you don't, that sets a precedent. That would be the signaling that we are no longer the hegemon of the world, right? Right after World War II, it's flex nuts. All right, you blockaded Berlin. Here comes the Berlin airlift. A plane landing every 30 seconds, right? Uh, there's even, there's power behind us invading Iraq. No one else really approves of it. But, and it's not good, but using it as an example, we did it and no one really said anything. That is that's an exhibition of power. So as much as like, I don't want to see us involved in more wars. I also understand that you can't just like watch Russia invade Ukraine because you have to, you have to take the good with the bad, right? If you want to be the hegemon, if you want to be America, it's, it's okay. If Norway watches passively, they're Norway. If we want to be big dick America, you can't, you can't passively watch. And you don't have to get involved, but that also means that you're not kind of deferred to as big man on campus. So if we didn't back Taiwan immediately, that would signal, even if nothing else happened and no one else invaded, it would be the precedent set that you can now throw your weight around. And it might not happen for another 10 years that India invades Pakistan or whatever. But it would certainly happen. You would see the chink in the armor, right? You you punch the big guy and he didn't hit you back. 
well now everyone starts to start feeling their oats like oh i can i can start throwing around my weight right when you remove a power source saddam hussein the politburo in moscow power fills a vacuum right cartels form in warring tribes come in oligarchs come in start you know start selling all the old soviet weapons which then which one's worse having saddam was bad would less people have died if he wasn't taken out i don't know and that's easy for me to say who's never been affected by saddam i've known nothing but opportunity and freedom and safety and health care but what's the lesser of the evils do we if they invade taiwan do we step up and push them back or do we say we don't want to get involved because we don't want to lose american lives but does this then turn into appeasing hitler just give them poland Next thing you know, it's, well, now you got to go invade Normandy. And now we don't want to invade Japan, so we're going to drop a nuke on a city of women and children. So it's like you either pay the $1 bill today or you pay a buck twenty-five tomorrow with interest. And if you can't bring yourself to pay today because it costs too much, what, what, are, you, what are you doing well, tomorrow? That's, that's why facts are so important when talking about these sorts of things. Yeah. There's so much to consider. I don't know. Yes, is it all? And obviously, I'm, I can't not be biased. The, the, the literal flag hanging behind me. You know, if I were to, <laughs> well, if I were I wasn't to, gonna say. <laughs> if I were to just throw out an opinion based on whatever, walk out the flag, you know, not talking for America, but. Right. And there's obviously there's bias there. Right. I'm clearly talking about, well, we're the lesser of evils. Huh. What a coincidence. The guy with the flag who was born in the United States is talking about how we're the let. I get the irony. Not saying that you were calling me out. I just in general. <laughs> but I mean, is there a lesser of evils to. I don't know. I mean, do you keep the world as is sort of taped together with bubble gum and band-aids? and take it as that for all of its flaws or do you go hey let's see what happens and then 80 million people die i think attempting to realize common goals and aspirations and using that as a a path to some sort of global unity is critical sure because every time we talk about the differences I think it's 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 important to celebrate the differences, but also at the same time celebrate the uh, the the common attributes because we are all human beings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, um, to bring this full circle back to uh, um, the genius of the beast. Well, uh, that too. Um, there are really fundamental things that drive us all as human beings, and I think that's why you see capitalism being the the mechanism that uh um what's the word oh what's the the saying it um it uh gosh i've lost it um, it uh what is it it's to do with like rise raising 
all of the boats at the it's same the, time. How does that one go? Uh, it yeah, lifts I think the, the tide it was JFK, lifts all The rising tide lifts all boats. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it's the the positive effect that capitalism has wherever it's deployed effectively and rationally and in an unmanipulated mechanism uh, that uh, that has the most effect on on human lives. And I think um, when we look at say China and how many people live in China and what it was like, say, 40 or 50 years ago for the average person living in China. And we forward step those 50 years to today and we look at like 600 million people living in China now live, uh, are are classified as, say, um, middle class. So living a very similar lifestyle and living standard as your average American. I think that's a phenomenal effort, and that didn't come about just using one mechanism. Yeah. So it, it's very complex uh, society, and it's it's not just a um, um, the machine of capitalism at work. There, there is a very much an organized economy. However, they've utilized uh, some some very typical capitalist type uh, ideas, and uh, it's free to operate to a point. So if we look at, say, um, Britain and the US and Australia and, and other countries like that, um, how it's it's more, I guess, a traditional capitalist society um, and how effective it is uh, as raising the living standard. I think this is one of the things that really... Uh, leaps out in the book, um, The Genius of the Beast, in your interview with Howard, uh, is that there is no other system that has done more good uh, for the average person. Yeah, And yeah, it might look a bit funky where you've got people like Elon Musk with $300 billion sure. to spare and uh, a, a kid down the road who's got nothing. nothing. But if you went back two, three, five hundred, a thousand years, two thousand, five thousand years, it was the same thing the same discrepancies occur. And I think they always will because not everyone makes the same decisions. Yeah. And that is the freedom of a, a human being to make good decisions and bad. And I think the trick is to learn from those and to apply that uh, experience in a positive manner, as opposed to dwelling on the mistakes and kind of like throwing your fist in the air and going, oh, the world is against me. The system is corrupt or like it doesn't work for me. It's like, well, it doesn't work for you unless you use it. And I think the trick to that uh, is education. Um, So I, I tend to agree on both sides. It is the system. It is corrupt. It is holding you down. But there is a way to get out of it. It's just that not everyone either sees the path because they aren't told there is one um and worse uh they're told there isn't one on purpose yeah that it, it is evil it is an oppressive system and i think frankly it's not uh but uh, it can be so i think I, i've been very lucky to um i guess escape that that system and that cycle and use it to um my advantage and i say that because like no one ever taught me how like the monetary system works or economies work. I had to learn that myself. I and I learned that from the mistakes. <laughs> eh? 
I didn't learn. I, I didn't learn like how the Fed operated until summer 2021. Right. Right. I was 32 years old. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I certainly didn't learn it at high school. Um, and looking back, and I'm 44. I wish I did. Yeah. That would have been really important information. Yeah. These are the systems and mechanisms that are at play here, young kids. This is how you use the system. These are the mechanisms that you need to be careful of. These are the ones that you need to exploit. And this is how magical the system is. Because if you play by these rules, anything is possible. And I think that's why the USA ends up becoming this bastion of hope for all of these countries all over the world. And it really doesn't matter whether it's the Democratic Party or the Republican Party at the helm. Sure. It's still seen as the bastion of hope. Um, it, it's it's really, really interesting. And you just got to look at uh, places uh, around the world where the American get flag gets waved. Uh, there's a reason for that. Other countries might not like that or might not yeah. understand that and might um, poke fun at uh, America for um, for being some sort of... in. Um, Rah, um, we're the best. Yeah, or like it's uh, it's got to be the Americans' way, and uh, we the Americans just have to invade, or they just have to uh, install some yeah. kind of regime in a foreign country to 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 make everything continue to go around, and it's to just the Americans' benefit. I think there's an element of truth to that, sure. But I think it would be naive to also not accept that. There's a lot of what America does that holds the world together, uh, and that's unfortunate. But it's it is real though too. Uh, it doesn't have to be that way. Sure. And I would I, I would argue that there were probably a couple of million children in, in Iraq that didn't have to die because of the uh, in, uh, invasion in Iraq. They the 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 military forces probably didn't have to blow up all of the water treatment plants or the power plants in Iraq to get to Saddam, probably. but they did probably didn't need a carpet bomb Vietnam and killed 5 million Indo-Chinese. Bingo, right? But it happened. So that's the facts. That's the reality. What do we do with it tomorrow is the, uh, is the question. Do we improve upon our decision-making and seek alternate uh, choices if they are available? And those should be uh, the uh, choices that we... Um, um, that we strive to pursue at uh, at all costs, unless there is no other choice. I think that's where it gets dangerous. Is that it's very easy to say, ah, there's no other choice. Press the oh, button, man. boom. Yeah, yeah. it's very yeah. difficult, especially if that's what you've known for generations that that's what works. Yeah, because that's the that's the easy card to play, and I think uh, America cops a lot of flack for that. But it's, uh, see, I like to learn both sides of the story. And I think um, growing up in New Zealand, which is where I'm from originally, um, there's very much a sentiment uh, towards America, which is not positive at all. Um, and I think it's, um, I, I appreciate that sentiment, but I also appreciate that it's uh, very, very naive. And until you get out of New Zealand uh, and you start to look around, um, it, it becomes apparent that there's a very important role that's being played here. And uh, yeah, okay, America doesn't get it right all the time, but it's in a pretty difficult situation where 
all eyes are on America for the most part. So you, you're going to make a mistake. Lots of countries make mistakes. All countries make mistakes. Um, but we don't talk about all of them the same way we do um, America. So, yeah, there's a lot of focus on uh, you Americans. <laughs> yeah. You're very active internationally, aren't you? Yeah. You and I don't get critiqued the same as the president. The president wears a different color tie, and there's nine people on nationally syndicated news channels talking about what is the coded meaning. Mm. I can do this podcast, and no one knows if I'm wearing pants. It's not an equal level of of critique, right? Hey, hold it down real quick. I go to the bathroom, but I do want to. Yeah, I, I do. I have a couple comments on that that I want to bring up. So I don't just yeah, monologue, yeah. monologue. Yeah, right on. Ah, yes. America. Land of the free, home of the brave. I think you have to be uh, given the setup. What do you do with all of that power and ability? It's easy to be tempted with all of that power. Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. I think that's how it goes, isn't it? Trying to monologue. I can't say I do this very often. Uh, this is a book that you should uh, read and uh, perhaps you should uh, also interview uh, this woman. Consciousness came up earlier on in the uh, conversation. So Annika Harris, I think that uh, interview would be uh, pretty darn cool. That's all I got. I'm going to have another drink. Pause. Um, I did monologue there for a little bit, but then I ran out of stuff to say. Oh, you, you will be judged. <laughs> You'll have to watch it, but uh, um, Consciousness, Annika Harris, see if you can get hold of her. Send me a text and I'll... Yeah, cool. I'll... Yeah, right on. She copped a lot of flack from uh scientific community for writing that book. You're yeah, totally. More flaky catch the think... better. I think from from what I've seen, she's more right and they're more wrong. So uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Middle just, fingers of those. I just don't care. Fuck everybody. I just, I, in general, <laughs> I just kind of fuck everybody. I mean, so long as I, so long as I'm not physically harming anybody or like exposing myself to children, like fuck off, fuck off, catch a lot. Do whatever of, you eat want. A, eat a dick, fucking retard. Yeah. Um, but and again, it's very hard to not be biased as someone in the United mm. States, right? But, you know, I've, I've, I have a, a lot of friends that kind of studied abroad in college. I never did because I was studying to get into medical school. And, you know, a lot of them would say, you know, America is not the best, which is fine. I don't I don't know that to be objectively false. I have no idea. If I, if I knew that answer, I'd, I'd be a genius and I'd be also worth $300 billion. But. And then you kind of get just like this, and this is kind of maybe me as more of a conservative leaning guy. I don't know if this is my own sort of like, oh, you fucking hippies. But they're like, you know, the more like the you find that the people who haven't left America are the ones that love it the most. And the people that have traveled more are the ones that love it the least. And so those who have spent more time outside of America see it for what it truly is. 
Okay, so let's walk along that line of logic. That would mean people who have spent their entire lives outside of it and make it the culminating goal of their life to get here. What does that imply? If we're, we're going on the logic, right? If we're going on more time spent outside of it gives you a better clarification of it, well, then we have to follow that out to the nth degree. And those who have spent all the time outside of it are seeing it most clearly. So I yeah, at, totally get what you're saying. Well, yeah. I'm just so I'm just using my own example. My buddy yeah. Prince Prince Blackosh from Kosovo. His dad was a journalist who had his arms and legs broken during the war with Serbia because he published right. some uh, unflattering news. Prince first came here in 2014. That's where I met him. He had a green card, and Prince was working about 90 hour weeks. Mm. I invited him over to my family's house one day before work. We both did security. And he was like taking Instagram photos in front of our house because to show off to his friends in Kosovo because we had a garage door. Yeah. He right. took a photo in front of the refrigerator because it was full. Yeah. Okay. My other buddy, Ivan from uh, uh, Sofia, Bulgaria, left his family, left everyone to get a green card to come work here. Same city. It was in Ocean City, Maryland. This was in 2011. He would work. We both work all night, and then I'd be, at the end of a night of working security at a bar till three a.m. Ivan would change shirts and go to the next bar that opened at four a.m. And that's what he would do, till he finally too got a citizenship, came here. Now he's a professional bodybuilder out in Vegas, hardest working guy I know, maybe only behind Prince, who came here, got a citizenship, became a physical therapist, lives in a nice place in Manhattan now as a wife and kids. He is the American dream. So it's not even for me and my own butthurt ego. It's when I look at them. Them and not an idea, not an article I read about. Seeing them, their eyes watering because I brought them a turkey sandwich. Yeah. And I didn't even bring it to them. I just had an extra. Who made it? Your mom. How do I pay her? What are you talking about? If this was going to go bad anyway, we're going to throw it out. You order my brother. I tell my family about you. Seeing that firsthand. Sure, you know, that's that's uh, that's be- that's a uh, that's convenient for me, the pro America guy. Okay, I'll give you that. But if I'm gonna walk out that logic, okay, well, okay, that's two examples. What's the third? All right, Ernesto, the first generation immigrant from Mexico, came here. Parents are day laborers. He went through, got a private education, worked on Obama's campaign. For all the critiques of America, he'll also sit here and say, like, it's better than anything else on the planet. So, like, I can only go on those examples. Now, sure, those are perfect examples that could be cut and pasted as propaganda. I get that. I know that. The, I know the flaws of that. I'm not saying that it wouldn't be sick to live somewhere else. But it's well, like, yeah, I think you could just cut and paste that whole story and then put, in, put it on uh, the State Department. Western- yeah. Well, you could put in almost any Western country, sure, uh, and that, sure. that narrative is the same. Sure, didn't always be that. Uh, wasn't always that way. Um, and I think uh, America, as I was saying before, attracts a lot of attention. So it becomes this kind of beacon of hope that everyone knows about, and uh, maybe it's seen as this place that uh, um, not so much quite easy to get into, but is quite inviting. So, yeah, I mean, there's lots of immigrants that turn up to uh, uh, to the shores of New Zealand 
that have uh, left uh, war-torn countries from exactly the same countries sure. that you just mentioned uh, with exactly the same story. And there's a fridge full there too that someone is just ogling over like, wow, like this yeah. is amazing. You should have seen what I've just come from. And and I mean, that happens in dozens upon dozens upon dozens of countries. So it's it's not that America oh, is the it's, only... Yeah. I know it's right, not an but American exception. I like your, I like your story though, in that um, there's there's a reason why people see America as that 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 place to go, and it's not illegitimate. There's a reason for it. It's because it's true. Yeah, and it's that also doesn't mean that we're not immune from criticism. Like, I mean, I'm pretty sure Canada was involved in the Iraq War, just the same as America. Belgium. Yeah, there's Iraqis. There's there's Iraqis turning up on the border of Canada, hoping to come in. Yeah. Is they're they're arriving all of the time because they love Canada. Yeah. Just the same as they're turning up in America because sure. they love America because it's better than where they came from potentially. I mean, I would go to Iraq because I think it's a beautiful country, beautiful people. I don't know about you, but I've met lots of Iraqis and they're amazing. I think. I'm I mean, I've. Right, I'm pretty white, but there's no, there's yeah, some no, pretty pretty amazing places out sure. there, and uh, everyone's got something to offer. And I think it's, uh, um, I think it's important that uh, that we look at, um, I think the things that we have in common, and find that unity. So there are fewer reasons to bombard and attack. Yeah, because there's there's friends next door that if you press that button you you've got some connection to it yeah. it's not just oh someone you've never met yeah. it's like someone, yeah it might yeah. be someone that you haven't met but they know your brother and they know your sister or they they also work for the company that's down the road like that interconnectedness is effectively going to make it impossible to some degree to have any global conflict unfold because we're all going to know one another i think that's the path that we're on um and I think that's why we can't isolate countries like China. Yeah. Um, because I think as soon as we do that, it's game on. That is when they will take countries like Taiwan. And that's the game. It's that perceived threat. If they perceive that mm -hmm. um, a foreign um, control of Taiwan is imminent and their well-being is at stake, if that occurs, then of course they're going to do what's natural. Yeah, anyone would. It's it's the. Argument. It's not that they're crazy. It's it's because that's rational. I mean, that is if, logical. What, what did logical we do path. in 1962 with Cuba? They right. got close. So what did we do? Fuck off. Look at Russia and NATO. Right, it's the same thing. That's the now, yeah. No, I think... I, I I feel for them. I've had on Ukrainian refugees, but I also get the argument of like, hey. Cuba at least was 90 miles of ocean. Ukraine's touching the border and it's got U.S. biolabs there and they want NATO. I can't say Kennedy is a genius peacemaker and then turn around and say, fuck you. Right. And I also, yeah. yet, of course, I'm on Team America, but like, what else would China do? Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Like, rationally, you have to drop Putting... that. Yeah. Yeah, putting ourselves in other people's shoes and trying to understand what they might be feeling is really important. I think that's a that's so like we can talk right 
I mean, we can, and I'm not saying you're doing this. I'm saying you and ge- the general you talk about how important it is for world peace and kumbaya and get it, got it. I sure understand that. You know, my, I had a friend of mine who, you know, we always fuck with each other because, you know, we're on different political sides. We're still best friends. I remember one day he asked me, he's like, what, he's like, what do you actually believe? He's like, you're, you're a conservative guy, but he's like, you meditate every day. Like you tout the, like the, the beauty of like psychedelics and like universal love. And I'm like, yeah, hey, I know those don't go hand in hand. Right. I get it. Um, but, but why can't they, there seems to be this perception that, oh, you've got to keep them separate. Yeah. And that we've got to stay separate too. We yeah. can't, you we can't, can't, yeah. I blew those lines yeah. too. People find me really confusing yeah. as well. <laughs> well, I think that's why people come to this podcast because they don't understand. Right. I, I I will interview a Delta Force guy and then a guy running for Congress as a Republican and then I'll fucking shoot the shit with Howard Bloom for the 10th time. <laughs> like like that? Huh? What? But like, <laughs> right? It's, but kind of what I told him was basically what you and I have talked about. It was like, I think that we have a ton of flaws. And they're not even all will we make accidents. No, I think there are some conscious and willing demons alive in America, dead, and more to come. I think that's the CIA. Corporations just pillaging other nations. And, you know, from like the banana wars in like the late 1800s and 1900s to like the Caribbean incursions with Smedley Butler and China. Bad shit in the grand scheme of just like the brutal reality of what we are. We are carbon-based life forms that ingest proteins, fats, and carb. What I say, proteins, fats, and carbohydrates, and fluids and nutrients. And we need rest. We need shelter. We can't survive a certain amount of force, whether it's falling from a building or getting a spear through our head. We fuck. We reproduce. We like you know pleasures again to acquire calories so that we don't starve to death. We like to rest. We like to achieve beauty. You don't want to have to spend too much energy trying to warm up or to cool down. And we and we try to make things easier for us. And then it seems to be a common trait that we also sacrifice for the next ones after us. And it happens in space time on a rock around a star. Like that's totally that's kind of like a quick 60 second briefing. Hey, here you are. Here's the simulation. This is where we are. Go. Right. Yeah. So that's what it is. If humans weren't here, the, the the system in itself is doing exactly that. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. In the, it just looks different. So I always kind of look at things like that. And it's like, from what we understand, we came out of the trees, right? And we started walking upright, using opposable thumbs, uh, using handheld objects to break things and then throwable objects. We mastered fire cooking agricultural revolution writing or language i mean language is insane we forget about that we then developed a way to do as terence mechanic calls telepathy i think of something i make noises with my mouth and throat and tongue it goes through the air you receive it you know the same english language as me so you're able to decrypt it and now instead of like having to like grab you and walk you over and like point towards like water and you go oh yeah i also want a drink instead i can go Alex, are you thirsty? You go, yeah, I go, I got some water in the fridge. Like, that's telepathy. All right, so there are some huge steps, right? And then next you, so, and then, and then writing language. So it doesn't have to be an oral tradition of passing down new knowledge to the next generation. Now you don't have to learn 
you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can literally go, oh, no, my dad showed me that, right? So now I don't have to learn how to build a silicon chip. I just, I I was born into, I have an iMac, right? Mm, I don't have to, yeah. I don't fucking know how an iPhone works, but I don't need to, right? So written language is huge because it doesn't just have to be oral tradition. So now you're passing down cumulative information. So it's like mm. replaying a video game. You get better and better and better at it. And it allows you to expand more and more. And then as you move away from survival, carbohydrates, proteins, lipids, water, nutrients, shelter, sex and procreation, you can start to kind of go for greater and greater things, maybe alleviating the pain of others or in the form of mm-hmm. capitalism, genius of the beast. You can go for your own self and your own self enrichment, which also tends to push the machine forward. Okay. So now we're moving through. All right. Now you have pharaohs. Now you have kings. Now you have still a pretty small percentage of people with any sort of moderate luxury or just at least well-being. And then you have, then you move towards like the, you know, moving the, the, even just the beginning of like moving the Bible out of Latin to just like what the average person could read to the printing press, disseminating information, yeah. moving forward, modern medicine, late 1800s, Joseph Lister, start using antisept. So we're moving towards this thing. But then 200 years before that is the 1700s, the revolution. And now a fucking wild idea of like, what if we all had a say in what we did? And now we've developed and we've somehow America and for all of its flaws, man, that fucking manifest destiny, that delusion, killing all the Indians, Andrew Jackson. I'm sure I make jokes about the dude committed genocides. We took over the entire United States, our own wars of aggression, past, present and future. We have World War Two where we start to see the mechanization of forces We're now Germany as um Norm MacDonald would say, you know, Germany is wild because it's a it's a country the size of Maine that tried to take over the world and they almost did. And like, okay, that's insane. So now there's that technological disproportion where now this little tiny country can create a a mechanized system of camps and try to eradicate people and tattoo it on. All right. Power is a huge thing. We get the A-bomb. Thank fuck it wasn't the Germans. We go toe to toe now with another superpower that, okay. They look like us. They're white guys too, right? But they have technology. They're trying to land on the moon too, but they still have gulags. And for the most part, it's widespread misery. They collapsed through the grace of God. We didn't go to nuclear war with them. And now we're here. I look at where we are now. Yes, a ton of fucking flaws. And no, I'm not close to the idea that there could be a better system. But when you look at it from that point of view, I have food in my refrigerator. I can go drive to Walmart in a peaceful exchange. I can just slide a card in the thing and I can just take cooked roast beef out of this place. And nobody tackles me for taking their hunt. Well, Soviet Union uh, quite some time ago thought their form of uh, like communism was like the the, the best you know, hope for man. all people and that when they arrived on the shores of America and they saw all of these uh, grocery stores full of food, they were like completely flummoxed, weren't they? They were like, oh, we've really fucked up, haven't we? I've interviewed Ken Alec, who is the chief of the bioweapons program, who had, sorry to cut you off, who came to the United States and saw all of it. And he was like, he was like a top in the like inner circle. And he was like, as a like, as basically like royalty in the Soviet Union, he's like, I don't get all this. And the average podunk American is just like, yeah, for a dollar, you'll get a Big Mac. Like, that's when that's when he was like, that. okay. So I look at all of that. 
and I look at at the base of it, despite all these advancements that were for the most part were hairless, we're not hanging in trees and flinging our shit at each other. We do still bare our teeth. We still sex drives most things, right? We still, despite trying to be evolved, and I understand that Elon Musk is going to go to Mars. My mouth still waters like a dumb pig when I see bacon. Like we're still very much beasts, right? I have yeah, water because yeah. my because my because my sound making machine gets dry. I have to lubricate. We're still very <laughs> much like Mark II, we're like Gen two of machinery. Yeah, right. So it can very quickly. The quote is, uh, "Society is four meals away from anarchy." Mm-hmm. I tend to look at this all as like such a fragile happenstance thing that for all of its flaws, the least worst place is also the place with like the most power. It's separated by two oceans. It has a ton of natural resources. I guess if it really wanted to, it could have blown up a whole lot more than it has. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> it was floated that in 1946 and 47, should we go nuke so- the uh, Soviet Union before they get A-bombs? We decided not to. I tend to look at where we are as like, hey, we've got this patch of land. We got friendly northern neighbors, Canada, Mexico. Sure, they're full of cartels, but I mean, like, sure, it's probably better them than fucking, I don't know, Iran. Yeah, I think it's the least worst place. And I think the brutal truth is we are still all chimps. And so we listen to power, not ideals. So you probably need a massive military to keep it safe. It's not the best answer. And I know there are a million flaws, but it's also always easier to talk about how things should be instead of actually offering you, you know, the world really sucks. People are taking money and the media lies. Congratulations. Fucked hard. Are you, you got any other brilliant observations? We're the third rock from the sun. How are you going to fix it? And so I know I've been rambling for 20 minutes, but like I see it as the least worst place where for for the grace of God, we've all, for the most part, kind of just don't kill each other over food anymore. And you can even go out and say, fuck the, Kathy Griffin can go out with a beheaded rubber Donald Trump and she gets retweets. And the worst that happens is she gets canceled from her show instead of shot in the basement of a secret police prison. To me, that's brilliant. That is that's something worth keeping for all yeah. of its flaws. And then, of course, the genius of the beast, and it's producing this thing. Well, hey. That's my pitch for America. I, Fuck, I should be hired by the State Department. The marketing 101 there. There is, right there. It's, <laughs> this message brought to you by the Department of Oh, motherfucker, I knew it. <laughs> just fucking, the seal just goes across the state. This brought to you, this brought to you by on, the Central Intelligence. Just knocked at my door. <laughs> yeah. Who have you seen? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Department of Home. This, this message brought to you by the Department. You, you flash your badge. You're like, Tommy, well, thank you for your application for the Department of Homeland Security. I'm like, thank you, sir. Praise God and country. Yeah. But that's kind of. And maybe it's not America in the future. Maybe it's Britain. Maybe, I don't know. But it's like that idea. Well, I think that's where something like the United Nations is, uh, Mm -hmm. on one hand, uh, a good entity and a bad one. Um, Mm -hmm. But in essence, if we we look at it uh, along the lines of what you were just describing, um, it doesn't have to just be one country. Sure. Ideally, it wouldn't be. Yeah. 
if but that's gonna... not the fact that not all countries are stepping up and doing what's necessary to keep the world safe. Um, I think there has been a lot of burden placed at America's uh, feet. Um, just look at the likes of NATO and the funding. I mean, there's certainly been some uh, very uh, logical statements made about the funding of the likes of NATO, and that it is all rather lopsided. Uh, I, I do believe America pays for most of it. Yeah. Why? So, so, like, yeah, in peace. It's very time... convenient for all of the other countries that that's the fact. Yeah, but they can have these rich social. They have. Did you know they have social safety nets in Sweden? Yeah, they also don't pay for their Abrams tanks. Yeah, it's. I can. It's very easy for me to critique so, my dad about being mean when my dad's the one that puts me through private school and healthcare. Yeah, totally. Uh, kind kind of convenient for me to point right a dad to say <laughs> it would have been better if I. Hey, sorry, fucked hard. I made sure you got world class medicine and a private education. Yeah, pretty pretty easy for me to. You know what I don't like about Steve Jobs? What have you brought, Tommy? <laughs> sure, tell us how your podcast has been a bigger impact on the world than the touchscreen. It's, yeah, it's, but it all needs to be talked about. Yeah. So I don't know. What if Howard had just been completely co-opted and the genius of the beast was paid for by just like a bunch of like anti-socialist guys who were like, we need you to write a book on why capitalism's the fucking best. And Howard's just, <laughs> Howard's 80, he's like, fuck it, I'll take the check. And I'm, I'm a Howard fanboy, so I'm just eating it up. And I'm like, the genius of the beast, you're coming on here. You and I are just getting played like a fiddle by the fucking Central Intelligence Agency. If that was the case, I'm not even mad. Fucking respect, credit where credit's due. Totally, um, totally. Well, um, yeah. Let's 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 wrap this one up on kind of the final thought of um. You had said before I went into that twenty minute pro America diatribe that should be played at Ellis Island, is if we all know how each other think, right? It's very easy to. I always try to. I've only been to a handful of weddings in my life, but I always think about how beautiful they are. It's all these people I've known my whole life and everyone's there and they're dressed to the nines and you try not to cry. You see them get married. And it's great. And it's just that the sun setting and the food's great and the beer's flowing. And it's just, I mean, really one of the great evenings of your life. And then I realized that like we have blown those moments up with drones in the middle. Mm. And when you look at it like that, instead of just like, well, you know, war is hell and there are collateral damages. That sounds great as a PR release. It's very convenient. Look at it yeah. from that point of view. I mean, I said my little brother yeah. got married two months ago and I was sitting there and I looked at my older brother. I go, you know, we've blown these things up with drones. And one of the guys goes, why do you have to fuck this up? And I was like, I'm just, I'm trying to, I, I was like, I'm just trying to, he's like, I know what you're trying to do, but can we not? And I was like, Sorry, there's right. a time and a place. Tommy. I, Come on. Literally like our best, you know, white tablecloths. I was like, you know, MQ1 Reapers. And my brother was like, dude, shut the fuck up. And I was like, I'm just saying, put it in perspective. Like, do you understand why there's all, and it's just like, dude, it's not your day. <laughs> all right. All right, so I put it back but in. But I know why you did it. But I know why you did it because it never gets bought up. So hey, there's it's as good a time as yeah. any. <laughs> hey, you know, three shots, three shots deep, feeling a little loose. You know, I just want to ding, 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 ding. Yeah, I just want to say something. 
Hey, if only you had wanted to have that serious conversation last Thursday. The RQ-180 Reaper, also known as the Beast of Kandahar, <laughs> produced by Northrop Grumman for $300 million. You shut your mouth. For $300 million a unit, carries four AGM Hellfire missiles with approximately 18 kilograms of high explosive. Oh, gee, cut the mic. I got my own mic. Like, you know, but, but the point is, is like when you put it into that, you just see how beautiful it is. And then you go, oh, I get. I get now why why we're hated. I do understand it. I think my my dad actually made the observation several years ago when Elon Musk first floated the idea of Neuralink. And my dad was talking about being able to like understand one another. And I was like, yeah, that would be wild if, you know, just like an automatic translator so I could I could go talk to someone in China. And my dad was like, no, like, what if you could feel what they're feeling? Because there is a bottleneck to words, right? You and I are we're doing a pretty good job at explaining. But we could sit here for the next 90 hours and you couldn't begin to scratch the surface of how important your, your wife and son are to you, right? I couldn't begin to explain what it's like to lose a sibling to suicide, right? We just couldn't. But what if you could feel it? That might. Tim Dillon, Tim Dillon said it best. He goes, the iPhone and the internet has done far more than any multi multinational, you know, political movement to bring freedom to the whatever the fuck. No, no, no. The internet's done it with no central planning. I think it, I don't, I don't know if it will be something like a, a UN led effort to bring peace to, it might be some what genius of the beast invention for profit Neuralink. It might be all of a sudden you plug in and all of a sudden I experience what it's like to grow up in Iraq and then vice versa. Some like jihadi experiences. He goes, like, I just experienced all of Tommy's life in one second. That mm. dude's as powerless against the CIA as I am. I'm like, yeah, dude, what are you talking about? I'm for that. I don't, I'm just as fucked as you are. I'm just lucky. They're not droning me because I'm white and I'm in America. That might be the thing that starts to, bring peace that's i really can't imagine anything else that would do it i don't even know what would come close to it but mm. yeah i don't know kept you for an hour and a half i said i was going to keep you for an hour oh it's all good i enjoy oh, uh the, i enjoy you, this sort of stuff you uh you signed up for it you agreed to yeah. come on you know what you're getting into you're Free will, you know what you're doing. Uh, you buckled into this roller coaster. I didn't put a gun to your head. Not a, not officially. No, sir. Um, but hey, dude, I'd love to have you back on sometime. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for reaching out. And uh, you got anything you want to plug? Do you have any links you want me to put in the description? Or Oh, uh, no, I don't think so, really. I mean, we could start to touch on something else, but I think uh, I'd be keeping you for probably another 45 minutes because it would lead into a whole bunch of new discussions. Let's, let's, um, I'd love to schedule another one with you, but I feel like this has gone on its natural arc. I have learned yeah. through enough episodes. Is... Yeah, I think I'd be forcing uh, a series of topics to come up and yeah, it would be, it, it would be a new check. conversation. Yeah. Yeah, those get awkward when a when a podcast sort of comes to a natural end, and then someone's like, "By the way," and you're like, "All right, no, let's." It's ending beautifully. You're like, "Let it go. Don't yeah. don't be the guy bringing up the drones at the wedding." Yeah. <laughs> so, 
God, that, you know, thank God I didn't have a microphone. I hadn't drank in like a month, so I had like half a beer and was like already buzzed. I'm like, you know, we've blown these things to fucking pieces. I mean, just like charred hamburger meat everywhere. Like, dude, dude, it's like a violin playing. And I'm like, just, you don't even see it. It comes in hypersonic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I get it. I get it. I get why you join ISIS. Like, Jesus Christ. My mom's crying, watching my little brother kiss the bride. And I'm just like, oh, hell, Hellfire. Its name is Hellfire. Like, <laughs> fucking oh, dear. You know, play your position. That's why I do a podcast. That's why I'm that's why I'm not married with kids. That's why I'm screaming at a camera to a guy I didn't know existed last week. <laughs> read the room, Tommy. Read the room. Uh, but uh classic. You know, hey, text me that yeah, book that you showed me earlier. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. we'll get one on the books. Um, text me. And if I don't get back to you tonight, I'll get back to you tomorrow. And we'll get another one of the books probably, I don't know, like a month out or something. Um, okay. Thanks for coming on, man. That was fucking fun as shit. I enjoyed that. Thanks for that having was, me. That was fun, dude. That was fun as shit. I, uh, I, I'm glad you have the, the headphones on because I, I absolutely was swearing when that kid walked in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I figured it would go this way, funnily enough. Like there was something about it uh and when i get a feeling like that it's pretty much spot on so i had a blast too Love and i know that. we could rock it again Hell and yeah. i think it'll it'd actually get better and better over absolutely. time oh absolutely know about one another a bit more absolutely as brian reagan said the comedian whenever you feel like butterflies in life go in that direction because yeah. all the best things in your life happen after butterfly first day yeah. first kiss fucking taking the new job whatever first podcast yeah first podcast it feels you know, I feel a little nervous this guy's kind of i don't know if this guy's unhinged and i am but like it was <laughs> it was fun right it was fun i'm gonna get a i'm gonna get some uh we're gonna get some unmarked bills in the mail from the cia for that pro-america message um good job agent kerrigan i'll be like either that or some chicks yeah, I mean, give me some give, <laughs> me, go either way. give me something i mean that was i might clip that and send that to langley and be like hey i know you guys do psyops I'm just, you know, I'm putting, I'm putting that out there. I did that one for free. Imagine what I could do with some funding. Well, there you go. Or, yeah, they're like, yeah, he is impressive. He does know about Hellfire missiles. But, uh, all right, dude. <laughs> Let's wrap this one up. Thank you so much. I'll text this episode to you when it's up. Cool. That was great. God bless.